I lied to you. I lied to Dom. I lied to everybody. That's what I do best. That's why the feds recruited me. Maybe you're lying to yourself. Maybe you're not the good guy pretending to be a bad guy. Maybe you're the bad guy pretending to be the good guy. You ever think about that? I can host fast and I can host furious, which leads us into the movie we're doing this week on midweek matinee. How are you doing this week, Chris? You're joining me as usual. I am. How are you, Brett? I'm, I'm doing, I'm existing. I'm here to host this wonderful episode of the continuation of the road to fast nine that we're doing here on midweek matinee. Mile Uh, marker four. Yeah. Mile marker four. If for some reason you're just jumping in now, uh, I advise that you take a step back, take a deep breath, put your car in reverse, back up four mile markers and listen to the first episode and then make your way here so that you at least have like a kind of continual road of our opinions. And also maybe if you're somewhat jumping in on this because you like this movie, I'd also say maybe go back and watch all the movies alongside us and keep following along with the yeah. rest of the episodes. Because um, this has been a really interesting thing. Yeah, it's been fun. Also, maybe watch a different Fast and the Furious movie. Spoilers for the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, coming back around to this, it's to kind of give everybody a feel. Of course, we're, we're coming back after The Fast and The Furious. Coming back after Too Fast, Too Furious, R.I.P. Uh, it's murder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ja Rule, we Early. know you out there. <laughs> uh, and then we had, of course, th- what many fans, at least online, want to act like is the uh, the redheaded stepchild, which is very rude to redheaded stepchildren out there. So I'm sorry that I've even per I- I've perpetuated the yeah. stigma against you. Uh, but I- the upside is it's going to swing in your in your favor, redheaded stepchildren, because I'm saying that Tokyo Drift is, by all accounts, perfectly great normal part of the family i'm personally a big fan of redheads so me too so again just zero issues across the board we love you out there and if you're a stepchild hey you know what that's cool you can either like your step parent or you can Mm -hmm. hate them and make their life a living hell and uh that's the that's the power dynamic between the step parent and the stepchild yep so they are live your life quarter mile of time (laughs) but um i think of course, like we kind of talked about going in on this, Chris and I are not in immediately different areas here. We have different rankings for the movies, and we definitely see different things that we like about more of them. But I think so far it's safe to say that we've not not enjoyed any of the movies up until this point, correct? Correct. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and say, as we typically start with this, I'll start with myself. We tend to ask you know, what we thought of the film to begin with. I, this was the last film I had originally seen of yeah. the series up until just not watching it anymore and while a lot of my memory did serve me correct plenty of it i think at least in the framing of watching them back to back i have changed my tune on this film a bit and <clears throat> i did enjoy it it was still fun mm-hmm. um but i think also one of the things that was an immediate re- remembrance for me uh was obvious that we'll get into in a little bit but still overall Good movie, fun time, sticks with the the theme of the rest of the film. So, Chris, how do you how do you feel about the movie? Uh, bad movie, fun time, right? <laughs> yeah, like it's really bad, but yeah, it's pretty fun. I'm glad you said that because th- this is the weird part of where we're gonna 
of where I've been worried about with this. But I think before, because I wasn't watching them back to back and I was so caught up into all these different strands and I still am here. There's a lot, a lot of the notes I had about the movie were how I don't believe a lot of where you're telling me these characters are from what we've seen in the previous movies, but it's still a fun time and there's plenty of good stuff that you're just seeing on screen. But those are the two different worlds of these films. I think it's actually very funny because this whole movie, I was thinking that because you've made a comment a bunch of times that you think this is when the movies start getting a little i guess incongruent right i i mean i i think it's when they definitely up the ante to become a little bit more ridiculous in order to continue to up the ante because that's what yeah. you have to do with a movie series like this so yeah, yeah i, I don't agree i said so it's where i think they start to jump the shark though i think the obvious first example of that is literally jumping the car onto <laughs> <the> <laughs> yeah i don't know i because my big takeaway from this movie is having some of your comments in your head where I was like, no, this makes all, this all makes complete sense for these characters. And it was kind of one of these things where I'm like, this makes sense why there would be more escalation too. like rewatching. This was kind of like, Oh, I think people are being a little weird about this franchise. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll tell you, I I do want to take a step back and I had mentioned across the board that I was open to this movie in this new context, changing my mind. And I think it did. I still think there's things about this movie that I don't immediately agree with. So I guess we'll start there because I think me and you may already have like a basic disagreement about the characters. And I don't even want to say all of them for me. I think some Mm -hmm. of them, I completely agree with why they're here and how they're here and how they're used. Uh, But I think there's certain things that I don't find easy to, uh, resolve in my head other than just the throwaway it's a movie so okay. whoever wrote it wrote it this way uh but you say and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, i just want to hear your side first because you could convince me to the point where i'll still give my side but i want to hear yours out you think that all of the films are all of the characters in this film should be here and everything we've seen in the movies leading up to this point makes sense to you as why they're here correct is that what you're saying okay so break me down, like because I don't, we can't go to too many characters. But there's characters that matter here. So there's Brian, there's Dom, there's Letty, there's Mia. I would argue that these are the four that really matter in this film, and and then I think that was also clearly a big part of this film, trying to bring back what are arguably the four most important characters of the first film as well. So for each of those four characters. Give me a quick synopsis as to why you view where they're at making sense with you. And then I'll tell you where I deviate once you're kind of through that. Well, I don't know. I think two of them, like Mia's Dom's sister. So there's no real reason why she wouldn't be at Dom's house. Sure. Um, she, Letty, it, it makes sense that she'd never leave, right? Yeah. Yep. Letty's Dom's girlfriend. So it makes sense <laughs> he'd be with her. Mm-hmm. And then the revelations at the end of the movie make sense because that's his girlfriend um i don't dom i just think is escalation yeah dom is actually he's he's the wild card right yeah to a degree he's the wild card that knows when to be calculated i guess i don't really know what you mean i I, so what i mean is like he knows he's a wild card in a lot of ways in in terms of this movie but just because he's a wild card doesn't mean he just throws caution completely to the wind. He knows when to step back, put himself in the right positions to get him where he's going in order to enact whatever it is that he wants to do. But because of his actions, and I don't want to say brashness of his actions, because I don't really think that's it. You expect from the other movie, at least the first movie that we did see him in, 
you expect this to be the way he would react to something like Letty's death, which is arguably the whole crux of where this movie kind of cranks over. Letty dies, and the whole setup <clears throat> that we see at the beginning is all just about how do we get Dom back into L.A.? How do we get all of these people back in the same area again? Yeah, I guess I just meant that Dom robbing gas trucks didn't bother me. Oh, exactly. Like, and just... I don't, yeah. S- same shit, different place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, then, Brian is know. who we've not talked about. Yeah, Brian realistically is the person I have the least problems with. And I have a feeling he's going to be the one you have the most problems with. But, I don't want to, I mean, most is a strong word, but go ahead. But uh, Brian took down uh, brian stopped the toretto um, thefts and then he took down one of the biggest criminals in the universe that we know of so far so him getting reinstated and put in the fbi made complete sense to me and i was like this is fine (laughs) now in that degree i somewhat agree though this is funny because a lot of the stuff that has to do with brian and the fbi are actually kind of they're they're so tangential to to each other i think brian in terms of his accomplishments makes sense that he could but i think one of the weird things is that where you last left me with this character is seeing brian steal money from the cops with his childhood friend and then from there have all these plans about what he's going to do with rome who he's recently reconnected with i find it increasingly weird to me that we come into the first time we're seeing these characters since that. And all of that is apparently gone. He doesn't stay in Florida, despite the clear claims that they enjoyed Florida and liked it. And they wanted to start a garage there. Uh, all that's been thrown out of the window and the Brian who I am to believe one movie ago said, don't even worry about it. Cause is in a completely different mind space here. It was, it's less that I have like an immediate problem with it, I guess more so that it feels like character shock because I feel like the Brian that we see in two is more like someone who is doing this because it's obviously the most beneficial thing to him, which I do think that they work into here. They give you a Brian who is leveraging himself to where most deals play in his favor. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that's the the saving grace for Brian is that you, we've seen him be the tricky person, and then they try <clears> and work that line in with Mia, where it's like, have you ever thought that you're the bad guy pretending to be the good guy? Um, so that's why I say it's not a huge problem so much as it just feels like I don't quite feel like there was enough work to tell me how two and two got, but in what we've seen the character do and what the movies are trying to go for, you just kind of like, okay, it is what it is. But something that's kind of connected to the Brian thing that I wanted to get your take on, because I felt this way in Too Fast, Too Furious as well. Mm-hmm. I don't get what the police, you know, the I get, whoever it is he's working with. In this case, it's the FBI before it was Border Patrol, uh, who are putting him in cars, sure, putting trackers on the cars, and then being mad when he tries to subvert the trackers because he's going against people who are clearly going to want to look for people who are infiltrating them. And they're always like, why did he go off the thing? He must be going rogue. And it's just like, thankfully there was a little bit more slack on this one where they weren't immediately like, Oh, he's, he's going AWOL. But I don't understand why they're so mad. Like one thing that made me kind of laugh genuinely was that they, he kills tracker. But before all this, the fact that they even give him a car and then say, put this tracker in after they just in that boardroom said that every person they've tried getting to infiltrate Braga has come back in a body bag. Don't you think at that point you have to give the agent a car and give him like, Hey, listen, 
you know what you're there for. We need as little contact from you as possible so that you can get what you need without being compromised. It just seems so weird to me that it's like a stress point in these films. I don't know. I guess it doesn't bother me because Brian, it, it, everything in the series has proven that Brian can't be trusted really by the cops or by Dom. Which is also the weird part of him being so, reinstated, right? It's like, we reinstate you, but we also can't trust you. Well, it's not. But we can. But we can't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't I don't think it's crazy for if Brian was like, hey, I took down this gigantic, cr- very generic criminal. And <laughs> now I'd like to be a police officer again. Or I'd like to be an FBI agent. Or I'd like whatever fucking pick of, I want. You know, because that's the thing. While you mentioned that they stole money, it's like Roman stole the money, and they gave the vast majority back. Well, Brian stole money could. too. Both of them did. Remember? Because I'm ninety percent sure it was just Roman. No, I'm one hundred percent sure it was both of them because he he literally goes uh, start a garage. How are we going to do that? And he goes, let's just say my pockets ain't empty, cuz. And he he pulls out the little bit of money, yeah. and then. And then Roman lifts his shirt and goes, hey, we ain't hungry. So, I, and again, it plays into it because they talk about the fact, at least him and Mia do, not the cops, which is reasonable, that he clearly is a, um, he walks the line. You know, he, he rides the line of justice and injustice, at least so far as it's set up in this world so far. But at the same time, that's somewhat the role of someone who has to go in, right? You almost have to be a little snake oily to be able to, convincingly come into these places and win over people's trust. So it works out in the long run. So where I'm wanting to go from here though, unless you want to add anything is we've talked plenty in this podcast uh, across different movies about movies that are bad, but good. And it's almost like to a degree they're good because they're bad. Uh, Do you think that this is where this movie fits in? Like it's, it's good and you have a fun time watching it even with the badness is it even with the badness or is it partially because of what you consider to be bad no i i think i don't know i think watching it is entertaining but i still finished the movie and my brother happened to have walked in here my brother happened to come over today because he was going to a baseball game and the first thing he said to me was oh this is the one i hate <laughs> and then we finished the movie because i was like they were doing the whole tunnel dive or whatever. Sure. And I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that was boring. But at the same time, like I enjoyed the majority of it. So it's one of those, like, I don't, I don't think this is bad. Good in the same way. Twilight is or the room. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you think it's a movie that maybe is a little, I guess. Okay. So what you're saying, and you meant that in a non-sarcastic sense that it's, that it was boring to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I would. I was entertained watching. Uh, I was entertained enough to finish this movie, but I wouldn't watch it again. So I guess this is where I, you were very, almost even surprised, which we talked about, could have been a, a, a factor of set expectations being just so overexceeded that you just couldn't believe how much fun you had watching Tokyo Drift. Mm. What is it that you think, if you had to just try and figure out, what do you think it is about Tokyo Drift that made it fun to watch? versus this one being a little more on the boring side for you uh, i think tokyo drift takes itself less seriously and they yeah i think that that's a big part of it too 
Uh, and like, even think, to that degree, too fast to, to, doesn't take itself yeah. really seriously either. And I think a lot of the entertainment from Too Fat or Tokyo Drift comes from the fact that like everyone in that movie is a bad actor. Every si- except Han, every single person sucks, and that makes the movie fu- that makes the movie almost more believable. <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you mean. Where yeah. it doesn't feel like everyone's a stone faced actor. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where it's like you have all these movies with long dialogues and no one ever goes, um, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it, and it's one of those things where like Tokyo Drift feels like an entire movie of someone saying, um. Yeah. Except it feels um. like, yeah, it feels like real conversation, yeah. even though real conversation is messy and bad. Exactly. And that that's the one thing where like Han's the best character in that movie and he's the only one putting out a good performance, but he almost... It, the movie's almost worse for it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> That's interesting. I could kind of see that. There was a level of self-seriousness to this movie that I was like, man, you you almost need to take a step back. Uh there was a and I guess it was in this effort to try and pull us back to these characters in a dramatic sense, but even the first movie, same characters, same actors and in, in a lot of ways a similar tone set. I feel like the first movie has a lot more <laughs> that's interesting i could kind of see that there was a level of self-seriousness to this movie that i was like man you you almost need to take a step back uh there was a and i guess it was in this effort to try and pull us back to these characters in a dramatic sense but even the first movie same characters same actors and in, in a lot of ways a similar tone set i feel like the first movie has a lot more brevity and lightness to it and moments of like getting to see all these characters having a good time and just having fun and quippiness that seems to be not missing completely but far less like it's far more understated in this movie than it was in one and it led this movie to feeling really serious which in my mind is painting me to like what should i expect with five does five open back up more of that comedic element when we start adding in more of what I feel like whenever I remember seeing the trailers of five, it's like a, I don't want to say buddy cop because that's not really right. But you know, it's like you start adding in this kind of cat and mouse thing between the cops who are blatantly aware of where everyone's at and what this movie that we just watched set up or does it get lighter in tone or does it stick to that serious tone? I, I don't know. Uh, but that, that's, that's a, we'll answer that in the long run. I'll, yeah. I'll see how I end up feeling about it, but there is an air of an air of self seriousness to this where I don't know that it needed it. Cause I mean, like we see Han die in Tokyo drift and that's clearly meant to be an emotional moment. And yeah, you can say Letty dies in this movie and is meant to be an emotional moment, but it feels like it, both of these movies do that in very different ways. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think this movie in hindsight, the Letty stuff doesn't work for me. Really? Yeah, it was okay, when you say Letty, what what exactly do you mean? Like literally her death and and it being the vehicle to get Dom where he's going or Well, I don't know that if you I don't know that I want to say too much more about it. Well, because, because it involves I know later that, movies. Well, here I'll say this. I am 100% aware and have been for years that Letty's not actually dead. Yeah, Letty's not dead. So I'm watching this whole movie and I'm yeah. like, well, Letty's not fucking dead. So like, you know, it didn't bother me whereas at least with Han he comes back, but Tokyo Drift is like the last fucking movie or whatever. So his death feels more final. Yeah, because he yeah he's actually dead. 
you know, where Letty, I know she's not. And I feel like the movie knows she's not. It just doesn't tell you that. You know, because the only time they even talk about it. And I think there's a lot of telling parts where you can think that where the only lines. Yeah. Well, the only thing about the death you see is Dom recreating it. Which did, that didn't make any fucking sense, dude. I cracked up, and this is part of it—the movie taking itself too serious. I yeah. was like, "Why does Dom suddenly become Batman. like a, Sher- a Sherlockian slash Batman guy yeah. suddenly, whenever it comes to vehicles and their wrecks?" Like it was comical in the sense that nowhere have you even set this up as being a thing. Like clearly, Dom knows what he's talking about with cars. But it just felt so much like you were witnessing like a Sherlock Holmes recreation exactly. of a crime scene. It's like when the when the car flips over him into a scene transition. That yeah. was hilarious to me. But yeah, yeah, I don't know it. And then you hear Phoenix. I think his name was when he's ta- when he's taunting Dom about Letty. He doesn't know who the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, you know, like he doesn't. He pretends he does, but he's got no clue. So, like, the movie itself is kind of like, we're telling you she's dead, but there's literally no reason to believe that, even just watching what happens in it. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of things. Definitely, once you get the kind of story reveal that the reason that Letty was even involved was because of her trying to go to Brian to use that as uh, as a way to basically clear Dom's name so he can come back. Yeah. And I get what they were trying to set up there because, you know, like the beginning part where you see Dom kind of looking at Letty and Letty being like basically Dom's trying to be like this. We can't do this forever. And then Letty's kind of trying to, you know, how <laughs> what they say when you do heroin, you have, you're constantly chasing the dragon. She's yeah. just basically chasing the dragon. That was one of the weird things about Letty is that you tell me that Dom leaves Letty to try and keep her safe and make her life safer which doesn't work <laughs> and then she goes off but she wants to bring him back so that they can live a normal life which she already told him he didn't want or that she she told him she didn't want it was all a little weird in turn in trying to figure out letty's motivations but because i am aware of the fact that Letty's not actually dead i was kind of going through this in my head and i hope we're not spoiling that for someone at this point the cat's out of the bag um Watch a commercial one time. You'll be fine. Well, th- well that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been so obvious for a number of reasons, but I've known she wasn't dead even as soon as Fast Five came out. And I think it's because I didn't even really pay attention to it, but I remember someone saying it. And at the time, it wasn't like, oh, Letty's not dead. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would she be dead? You know? Yeah. And I think that there's so much about this movie, like, where in my head, I was like, well, if she's doing stuff for Brian and this was going on. Who's to say that she was ever dead to begin with? There's almost an interesting... I would have almost liked to see this where Letty never died and it was all just about a way to try and fake her death so that it would pull Dom out and they could try and track Dom down and say it was all about Braga, but it was all about Dom and this kind of trying to catch all three at once from the get-go, which is not what the movie was actually doing. Yeah, they clearly hoped that Dom would come out because of Letty, but the movie's trying its best to be like... Or I should say the characters in the movie are trying their best to be like, Letty's dead. Even if the movie, in some ways, is like read between the lines. Yeah, I don't know. I I almost wonder if Letty comes back because they realize that Gal Gadot is just a bad actress, <laughs> so they didn't want her to be Dom's love interest anymore. <laughs> yeah, Gal Gadot was very interesting, and you know, in in the way it was weird that when she first came on screen, I was like, "Is that Gal Gadot?" Like when she was getting out of the car. 
And then, of course, it turns around. I goes, yeah, that, that's her. I didn't remember her being in this at all. But I guess when I originally saw the movie, I didn't know who Gal Gadot was. Right. She wasn't your Wonder Woman. Yeah. So in hindsight, it was a little different. But uh, her use was very much your typical, uh, I don't want to say damsel in distress. One of the interesting things about this movie or this series so far is that they try to put women in a position where you would typically think that they would be being used as a cliche damsel in distress. But in a lot of ways, they've got a little more power than you think. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. And actually, while we're thinking about themes throughout the movie, um, it was kind of cool seeing this movie, which, of course, it was going to do because it's our first time having all of these actors back together uh, and all of these characters back together in this universe. There was so many things that were small that I felt like were just quick throwbacks to the first movie to be like, oh, yeah, these are these characters. Like kind of seeing Brian regress when he's doing the race against Dom in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, shout out to my boy Al Pacino. I don't actually know that actor's name. I just call him Al Pacino because that's his name in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No. Uh, th- th- he's, the, he's the little shorter black guy who wrecks right toward the end of the race. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got the kind of, I, I don't know, I can't do his voice, but he's in Tropic Thunder as a rapper named Al Pacino. <laughs> the, the, the guy who looks like Nick Cannon but sounds like Chris Rock? Kind of, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and his his catchphrase as a rapper, and it's a character arc in Tropic Thunder, is uh, Al Pacino loves the pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the one so, who's selling booty sweat. Yeah, booty sweat and busting up bars. Yep, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so I was having a blast <clears throat> being in here, but also that wreck, dude, where like he flips around and then falls again off the bridge and flips some more, <laughs> I was like, this man's dead. Dude, dead. The wrecks in this movie are brutal. They are, which is cool. But it brings me uh, – I want to finish my other point because I do want to get to that eventually. But there was a lot of cool f- flashbacks like uh, Brian yelling at the GPS when it was like you're going the wrong way. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's good, clear callback. And then just all the little visual fly callbacks to where him and Dom are side by side. And you kind of see that camera that pulls by where you can see both of them and they kind of do the little look at each other. And then I don't know if this was purposeful. And it did fit the moment for character motivation where he's like willing to do anything it takes uh, for Dom whenever Dom wrecks him to make sure that he wins. He wrecks Brian. I was like, oh, so Tokyo Drift's coming back where if if who you're racing against is going to beat you, you just, you know, you jackknife into this. Cheap (laughs) cheats. Yeah. And I also love that when when Brian gets out of the car, he's like, you know, you couldn't beat me (laughs) for real. Yeah, and I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? <laughs> I love that. I, I didn't know there were rules. Yeah. <laughs> or I think you said it, they didn't say there were rules. Uh, but yeah, just little things like that. I mean, trying to reconnect you with Brian and Mia and stuff. You've got to do that to a degree because I'm sure at the time, I didn't feel this because it just felt weird to me at the time because we had seen so many movies out. But I'm sure there were people that were watching this when it first hit who were like, yes all four of them finally back together, <laughs> you know, sitting there in the theaters, like Avengers. <laughs> They're doing it guys. They're going <laughs> to assemble. He's going to say the thing. And then he whispers it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and like the, the 10 second car thing, whenever he's in the, uh, the lot and he's like, hey, you know, you blew my car up back there. It's kind of like you owe me a 10 second car. Now <laughs> it was nice little things, um, like that. Um, but, 
you were talking about a lot of the crashes are cool. I mean, I get where they're going, but there's also this thing about this movie where this was for sure. My memory did not fail me at all. I remember this movie being really strong in what I view as an overuse of CGI for nothing for, for what I don't feel like really gains anything from the movie outside of flair. That's aged poorly. Okay. Uh, And a lot of it kind of came back to that scene you were talking about earlier, right? Where we, see dom having the like doing his sherlock moment and then the car's flipping over him and it's clearly a fake car like it doesn't even look remotely real to me and it's flipping over and they're using it as like a camera wipe effect to change scenes and do different things um we saw it with the the gas truck at the beginning when the cars are flipping and they're clearly not even remotely real it's i get what they're going for they're going for spectacle and I guess coming off of Tokyo Drift, which had, like we mentioned, such small usage of it, it felt like, yeah, you did a little too often in this movie for mm-hmm. me personally. And it was just kind of a weird backstep, mainly because Justin Lin, same director as Tokyo Drift, I Correct. was hoping my memory was wrong and that maybe I was thinking of something else, but it was a weird shakeup. For me. Yeah, I can, I can see that for sure. I mean... I think I find that stuff far more distracting than you because I notice I bring it up a lot more. Um, but it just, I don't know. It takes me out of a film when it's like, what did I really benefit in this? Like you could have told me that Letty crashed and you could have had him go out there, do his finger and all of that without the car flipping over him, without it suddenly looking like time was slowing and that he was like processing things in his brain at super speed you could have all of that scene still play out and the same thing come where he recognizes what that is and says it. And none of it has to happen in that way. And you don't have to use CGI and spend all the money that you had to right there. I don't feel like it really benefits the movie in any real way. I don't think it benefits, but I don't think it did anything to hurt the movie either. I, I, I guess I'd agree at that point, other than just having a, a visual reference that will, eventually continue to age it worse as effects get better and better and your brain gets a lower and lower threshold of what it accepts, which is part of it. It's an old movie. You can't get around that. Yeah. Um, or what? I guess 13 <clears throat> years old now, 2008, 2009, I believe nine. You're right. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's still, it's a long while. So yeah, that was just one of those things for me. You're right. I don't think it necessarily ever takes away from the movie. I just feel like this is one of those things like you're just making movies with bigger budgets for, Seemingly no real reason, but I guess maybe in a theater that feels more appropriate than in a home. Like when yeah. I'm watching it on a 55 inch TV. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. That doesn't, I don't know. I, I have a nice TV, so I guess it doesn't bother me. I know. Yeah, you do I, too, I have but, a nice TV too. So I don't, um, I don't know if it's that so much as the scale of what it looks like and what it feels like. Definitely with all the surround sound and stuff going on in the theater probably does hit a lot different than I, my, my, my TV sounds good and it looks good, but I'm not seeing what looks like a car that's as big as a real car flipping in front of me, no matter what I do. Does that make sense? Like at my home, because I, I don't have that kind of money. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, but like I would never have that with a movie, you know, I'd never be like, Oh, I guess it doesn't look to scale. If I'm understanding you right, it doesn't. Well, I guess what I'm meaning is like, you know, when you make a movie, you're, you're making it for at least definitely for the longest time and starting to change up because of COVID. When you're making a movie, you're making it for first and foremost, the theater experience. 
And then after that, you get a different experience when you watch it at home. And I think some scenes make more sense when you go, this is going to be killer in a theater with a bigger scale, bigger screen. And also that group feeling of where you're all watching the same thing happen, where maybe, maybe the reaction of someone in front of you can impact your reaction a little bit. And suddenly it's just a whole room full of smiles over something that maybe wouldn't have gotten a stronger reaction at, on your own at home. Uh, uh, sure. I, I don't really understand what you're saying, but like, I guess I can kind of see it, you know, because I guess to me the only example I can even think of was is Infinity or of like uh, Endgame, right? And the, yeah, but that to me like that still gives me goosebumps at home. So it didn't change. It doesn't. None of this changes for me. It's still because to me the movie is the movie. That's the movie I watched. Uh, even if I watched it in theaters Fair. versus here, Fair. you know, I don't really. Well, so- I don't know. Well, and, and like to some degree, I still had social stuff in here, right? Because my brother called me the other day. This is weird serendipity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but my brother called me the other day, uh, like Thursday or so, uh, maybe a Friday, after we had recorded for Tokyo Drift. And he goes, dude, I w- you want to rewatch all the Fast and Furious movies? He had zero clue I was doing this. <laughs> and I had bought the collection for Tokyo Drift. And he's like, you want to rewatch them all with me? I've been thinking about watching them so I can watch nine. And I was like, I'm literally doing that right now once a week. So he's like, oh, cool. <laughs> Whenever you watch them on Wednesdays, can I come over? And I was like, yeah, go ahead. So he came over last night, and I paid a little less attention than I have been in the movie, which I actually think may have been for the movie's benefit. Yeah. Um, but we were having time, like a good time bullshitting and adding a social element. You know what I mean? Because I was just laughing and making dumb jokes about the previous movie, and so was he. Uh, our previous movies, like, you know, I was cracking up whenever Mia looks at Brian's like, what's your code, Brian? <laughs> and I wanted so bad for him to be like, my code? Don't even worry about it, cuh. <laughs> and there were so many, me and him were both fixated, as me and you have, on the don't even worry about it, cuh. We were creating scenarios in our head of, like, Vin Diesel's, like, you fucked my sister? <laughs> Whenever he walks outside after clearly doing that. <laughs> yeah, that scene was weird, first off. But. Yeah, but it, I was like, there's there so many scenes where it'd be funny if, even though Vin Diesel wasn't there, he suddenly just says, don't even worry about it, cuh. <laughs> that i would have been here for vin diesel so, joining the car train yeah but you know we ended up still having that social experience to it and i think the movie was better for it because of that but it's funny my brother who's i think a lot more easily entertained in that regard than i am uh, he even was like this is kind of ridiculous on certain cg scenes so i guess that's just I guess my brain was also thinking that someone else who I know wasn't me was kind of mentioning it as well. And my wife has mentioned it in a few movies as well, where it's like, why did that suddenly look so bad? So yeah, it just feels I, like it's a distraction. I get the, the CGI thing. I just don't really get the theater versus home part. But. Well, I guess it was just going to why make the decision for the CGI in the first place, because the whole scene doesn't rest on the car flipping over like the one we were talking about that scene doesn't rest on that the scene rests on how dom knows where to go to get the next bit of information Well, i think the thing with that scene is if it was done by a better actor that scene would have been very telling that dom is actually a very smart person but instead it's just vin diesel brooding and you see him being sherlock holmes whereas (laughs) if this is a if this is a good actor you would have gotten more. I think that scene works as a, you know, you can take Sherlock Holmes, like one of the Robert Downey Jr. movies has it where he recreates this whole scenario in his head. Sure. And then it plays out exactly like he thought of. And I believe that because 
Robert Downey Jr. sells it where you have in this movie the same thing happens and Dom is purportedly an expert on all this so in a lot of ways it makes the most sense but he's a bad actor so he doesn't portray it well at all. Well, and you're right. This movie's self-serious tone makes him come off as brooding that entire time instead of what I think may have been the goal of looking like he's deep in thought. Instead, it looks like he's sulking and mourning the loss. of it. It's like it's Sherlock if Sherlock was fed through a super emotional grief window. It looks like he's trying really to shit the information it. out of his It body. does. Like mm. That's what he, it looks like he's trying to do. Yeah. He's, the, insta- the information is constipating him. Fair, yeah. I mean, because you're right. The whole time, he just looks like he's trying to either hold in an uncomfortable fart or he can't quite get the poop out. Yeah, it's what I'd imagine a bad actor would do when told to look smoldering. (laughs) Yeah, okay. And you know what's weird about that is I don't normally find Vin Diesel to be a a lacking actor. I just think that that scene, maybe you're right, because I do think that that scene is more distracting as a whole because not only is the CGI there, but you're drawn to it because of just how weird Vin Diesel already looks in that scene to begin with. So yeah. your eyes almost like, what else can I look at other than this man who looks like he's like, again, trying to hold in a fart. Right. <laughs> it's just, you're yeah. kind of looking at him and like, okay, yeah, we get it, man. You're rubbing your fingers together. Are you questioning like, when's the last time you wiped and did you wash your hands? Right. <laughs> What's going on? And I like Vin Diesel. I just, I do too. I don't think that stuff works for him, you know. Or, I or like been, we said, that the over seriousness of this movie already put us in a point where, when you showed us that, it's like this movie is is continuing to take itself too serious. So this just comes off as right. That scene would have that scene would have worked a lot better, I think, if they had Brian and him, you know, uh, fix their issues at that point in the movie, and then Brian is telling him what they think happened. You know, oh, actually, that'd have been a cool use where it's like you use police intel, right? And then smart you still why it's happening exactly, and you still have all that. But then again, she's not dead, <laughs> so none of it matters to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> not even that. All of it's bullshit because she's <laughs> not dead. She didn't get shot in the head. Yeah. So Brian yeah. would be bullshitting too, you know. And then you would just be like, "Well, why did Brian lie?" So. That scene just doesn't work because of all of it. <laughs> and and the implications of it moving forward. And it's going to be weird that not want to give this movie some flack because of what I know it's trying to do. I understand it at the time when you were when it's not as obvious that Letty's going to be alive, even though, again, there the movie does seem to tell you, like, hey, don't fully believe this. It's at least more believable. But now that we know, it's like the cat's out of the bag. It's literally the thing that people said about game of thrones the whole time where oh you didn't see a body so they're not dead we never saw a body in this movie (laughs) we never we never even saw her die we saw a flash of light from the end of a gun like we didn't even see anything and even if we saw her die we were seeing him project in his head what he thought happened exactly like there was which is more weird that the guy he sees in his head looks exactly like the guy who supposedly actually shot her yeah (laughs) but yeah well either way i guess going back towards the positives of this film sure i think it was probably the right move with the way that they're trying with clearly it was because of how big the franchise has gotten to try and go back to this idea of a core crew 
and have them be a continuing series of movie as opposed to what I think I might have enjoyed more but might have been less successful, which is just a string of Tokyo Drift style movies where you just keep moving me with different characters to different places and just letting me see different people do stuff with cars and yeah. with some kind of element of underground crime. Like you can, you can have a movie that continues to have all these hallmarks that just keep moving it around. And it's like, Oh, it's a fast and fierce movie because of the themes that the movie deals with. And we'll kind of rotate different ideas throughout it. Like, Oh, this is a coming of age version of it. You know, this is uh, more of like a heist film version of it. This is more of like a, you know, you, you keep going through the, the, the mills of how you want to, change the inflection of the movie uh, but i think a lot of people really do like that idea of like how you've always said this is coming towards that idea of being like an adventurous thing <clears throat> and i think it's clearly more successful because of that yeah yeah i agree with that do you think they could have or do you think they should have tried bringing more people into this i actually want to say that they showed a lot of restraint and who they chose to bring back and how and why they wanted every character to seemingly have a tie to the other character that was more than just we know this person. It was like, ah, Mia and Dom clearly have a relationship that's very strong, and she's been away. She would be staying at Dom's house. Dom would be there because where did Letty go? Oh, Letty went back to Mia because who else is he going to go back to? Mm. And just keep rolling this cycle through. Like they tried there, <laughs> but you know they could have tried. I guess, unless Vince is in jail, <laughs> bringing back Vince and some other characters that I wouldn't be surprised to see later. Like, do you find there to be a reason? And I hope that this is something the other movies do with, and you might know the answer to this. So stop me if it's, if it's going to lead to issues or ruin something for me. But we see in Too Fast, Too Furious, we see Roman distrust Brian because of him becoming a cop. And then we see him gain that trust back as it's like, well, Brian's doing stuff for the cops, but he's not necessarily a cop. And then suddenly Roman and him are just not talking in this movie. Like, does the movie deal, you know, do you, do you, you may not know and you may, I'm curious to see if the movie's moving forward kind of deal with that. Is there more fallout from Brian, from Brian going back to the life of cops or of being, you know, a federal uh, agent? Well, I guess I would say that this movie deals with that. You, you think it does? Yeah, Maybe I missed something. I mean, he's clearly not a cop at the end. Well, true <laughs> so i think this movie makes it pretty clear that brian has chosen his path and his the path system is has with, failed him so he's gonna fail yeah, the, system. the path is with dom and his family okay which Fair. i think is a, a bit of a weird like life choice to be like yeah i was an fbi agent but these criminals these are my guys <laughs> these are my folks yeah i could see I that know. i mean i could see that yeah you're right the movie does clearly hint that the fact that if he's not already given up the life of a cop well he's definitely going to be on the run <laughs> yeah i think although i guess going back to roman i did think i did keep expecting roman to show up in this movie and being pretty concerned confused as to why he wasn't you know oh yeah i just feel like Again, I think this is expectation of knowing where the movies go. I know that Roman is in the later films. I actually think, if I remember correctly from the trailers, I think I remember seeing Roman come back in five. So it feels weird think, to have set Brian up so much with him in two and then <clears throat> disconnect him completely to try and reconnect the first movie's cast members in this movie. But this movie feels like it's halfway trying to be a sequel and halfway trying to be a loading on point for people who may not have watched the others. Like, I yeah. feel like you can probably come into this franchise or this movie 
forward and probably have literally everything you really need to know. I don't know. I think the question with this franchise and the reason that obviously Paul Walker's death sucks because he's a human being and or whatever, but <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Someone died before they should have. Right. Uh, in terms of at least expectation of age. Yes. But I think what makes this what makes the later movies weird and what makes Roman not coming back kind of makes sense is that this is Brian's story, you know? So Brian during this, I mean, how long does this, do you think this movie takes place over a month? So like to me, while I would have liked to see Roman and I did think it was weird. I said that, that Roman didn't show up. It also makes sense that maybe for this month while Brian is investigating this, this thing, no, this movie takes place over three days, four days. Oh, wow. Because they at the beginning of the movie, they have 72 hours to get Braga. And then the 72 hours elapses and then they get him like the next day. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that at that point, it makes even more sense because it's four days out of what we're seeing of Brian's life, you know? Yeah, sure. And at this point, we're going to if we're looking this as a, a lens into Brian's story of Brian's life. Where in this particular situation does Rome and, and his friendship come up? It, they're not pertinent to each other unless Roman plays a bigger part in this story. But it doesn't have to. I mean, I get you. It's just, like I said, it's one of those things where when you show us where these characters are in the last film and how much they've paired up their or patched up their friendship, it does feel weird to suddenly be like, oh, yeah, he's not around. <laughs> because, and, and he's not mentioned. I think that was one of the weird things, too, because like Dom is mentioned in Too Fast, Too Furious, despite not being there. Roman, for all intents and purposes, does not exist in this film. No, but... It's almost like he doesn't exist in the universe. Clearly, we know he does. Well, I don't know that I agree with that, because it's the same thing, and I'm not actually making a joke this time, where if you watch the Marvel movies, Spider-Man, you know, Homecoming, doesn't have anything to do with Black Panther, but they're still part of the same universe. Sure. You know? Yeah, Roman sure. is Roman still exists. He's this is just not a story that involves him. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, and, and I mean, that's I guess that's what I was getting at. It just feels weird to do it. I guess like going to your thing, right? It'd be like if if Spider Man and Spider Man One had um, Ned around, right? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly in Spider Man Two, Ned's not around, but we also don't hear anything about Ned. Like Ned never, like they don't talk about him. And yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, it's still because it's Spider-Man story. But in the first movie, they're like, oh, Ned is so much part of Peter Parker's journey as it, that it feels weird that he's just suddenly gone. But you're right. I mean, it's, I don't think it's the end of the world. It's just, like you said, it felt weird that he wasn't in the movie, even though nowhere in the movie is he really necessary. Yeah. I guess in that's my mind, more. I like to imagine that he just he stayed in Florida because he liked the bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he liked the bitches imagine. and the beaches. Yeah. And then Brian was like, "Well, I'm going back to the force, so I've got to go to L.A. Where, which arguably you can stay in the force in Florida, but you know, for whatever reason, like I said, the movie's trying to get all of these characters back in the same space. So for now, because he's a federal agent, so he's going to move around wherever he's needed. Uh, he's going to be in L.A. Yeah. Bam. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just that stuff. I I thought it was weird, but it didn't like bother me. You know, I would have liked to see Roman, but I, 
I don't know. I guess I appreciated the more like we need to focus on bringing these two back together because these two are our linchpins. And then we'll, the rest of the movies are all just Avengers over and over again, you know? I think I've kind of pinpointed throughout this conversation exactly what, what it is that feels weird about Roman's absence is that mm. Roman and Too Fast, Too Furious acts as such a good use of, like we talked about in that episode, of not only a serious character when it matters, but also a comedic relief. And I think Roman's inclusion in this, because of the nat- the nature of how they've built up his character, he would have been a good way to somewhat counteract the somewhat over-serious nature of this film. If you just had someone occasionally saying something that's a little lighter. So I think that Too Fast, Too Furious being a very different movie than the first one, but having a lot of lightness and clearly people are still going to die and crazy stuff's happening. But Roman's general attitude and how that attitude seems to affect Brian as a pair, as opposed to how the tumultuous relationship between Mia, Brian and Letty and all that due to their history work it creates, <clears throat> excuse me, less opportunity for lighter moments, which would have been where Roman could shine. Yeah. <clears throat> Speaking I don't, of things I, that, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I wasn't really. I didn't have anything important to say. So, you you said the words. It didn't bother you. Well, speaking of things that bothered me, I want to sure. say something that did bother me. And I don't know if it was just because of the version I was watching. I'm watching the 4K Blu-ray. Hmm. <coughs> Sorry, man. I have some. I have a cough that's killing me. You're fine. <coughs> I might need to go get something to drink. Go but, um, in your version of the movie, whenever they were subtitled parts, did it? Did the subtitles like roll into the screen as if they were like Windows Movie Maker transitions, and like move around on the screen? Um, I'm sorry. Could you repeat it? In the movie, whenever you had uh, subtitles come up for like when Braga's in the church talking to the priest, did your version of the movie, because mine did, have like the subtitles like coming into the screen like Windows Movie Maker? Yes, I liked it though. And then moving around and like bouncing out. I oh, hated I it. I didn't notice that, but I, I specifically like, took note of the like downtown LA or whatever, the like when they came up as they were crashing through the window. And I was like, I like that. That was kind of nice. <laughs> well, no, okay. Now that's not my thing. I'm talking more about like when there was someone speaking another language, subtitles would come up. But in my version, and that's why I don't know if this is across the board. This is in the 4K version, the 4K Blu-ray. That's part of the um, the fast movie collection that you can buy. Mm-hmm. When okay. Braga's talking to the priest and he's handing in the bag of what I assume is money, uh, right before uh, Dom and Brian come up to him with the gun. He's talking to the priest, and as he's talking, the subtitles are like sliding in and then like moving and dropping. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, you're right. Yes, no, I understand. And yep, I right. was like, "What the fuck is this? I I can barely read it before it's like blurring and moving out of the way." And it was super confusing. I was like, "What stylistic choice is this to be like? Mm-hmm. You know what we should do with our subtitles? Make them hard to read by Make moving part them around of them constantly." And making them like flip out almost like we were doing a Windows Movie Maker transition of like, whoa, <laughs> I don't know. It was just super weird to me. I was like, so you like slid it in and then the priest moves slightly. So you drop it with the priest and then it slides out. I'm like, what, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, <sighs> fuck, I had something to say and I completely lost it. 
Oh, it was like the Comic Sans of subtitles. Like, that's all it was. It was weird that it almost acted as like com- comedic relief. It was another but it, character. <laughs> but it just confused me so much. Yeah. Like, it made me laugh, but I could not. I, I was like, why? What? <laughs> Never in this film series so far has this been the stylistic choice for subtitles. Why start now? And yeah. I noticed it at the beginning when they're in the Dominican Republic. But I was like, I don't know what just happened. I kind of was like going to let it go. And then when it kept coming back, I was like, leave me be, <laughs> you crazy subtitle monster. <laughs> um, but it was just, it was out there. Um, so this movie clearly has big implications on the moving forward, as I mentioned, with bringing all these characters back. I can um, see that. I clearly don't know what any of them are. I know that you do more so than I do because you've seen at least Fast Five, if I recall. Correct. Um, what do you think the important ingredient is for success? Because this is more just a curiosity. And I ask you because it was your idea, and I assume because you had your own curiosity about these movies, uh, to do this podcast series. And I viewed it as an opportunity to come in and rewatch them and see if my opinion has changed. But what do you think it is about bringing these people back together and setting this story up in this particular way moving forward that works to get us to a point where these movies are so big that Fast Nine's coming and they're going into space and no matter what they do, people are just along for the ride? Well, I think this movie serves to show you that these guys are really fucking good at it. (laughs) You know? And I don't mean to sound like, I don't know, dismissive or whatever, but that to me is kind of exactly what the point is where it's like these guys get away with being who they are because when we need them they they do what we need to get done like nobody does what they can do yeah i think that's so, fair because every movie's somewhat crux on the fact of we can't get it we can't get someone in there without and so far at least brian and as this movie sets up Brian was not all he wasn't both feet in the doorway of the law anyway. Right. So I guess to me it's kind of one of these things where it's like you see how good these people are and that's kind of one of my big things I was I mentioned at the beginning where you had where I was saying that I see why this is the escalation works now that I've rewatched this because mm-hmm. the the situations keep getting more and more crazy. And they keep proving themselves throughout these movies that they can handle these situations. So by Fast 9, nine movies into them, well, let me rephrase, eight movies into them proving themselves as seasoned crime. Let's call them vigilantes. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, So by the time you get eight movies down the line and they've proven themselves in insane situation after insane situation after insane situation, when you go, these are the, we're sending them into space in in cars. It, to me, it's like, yeah, I, they could probably handle that. <laughs> you know, which yeah, I think you're right, and I I definitely know that I've had and I've wanted this, so that's a good thing. I mean, I I wanted to be able to view this movie series through the lens that everyone else I know clearly looks at them through. Doesn't mean I was going to like them any different. Thankfully, I have. I've liked them a lot more, um, but. I think it was more that I wanted to see it for what other people saw it for. Even if I didn't see that as a quality, I just wanted to see it through that same lens. And 
I definitely step back from I, like clearly, like I mentioned early, and like you've said here, you have to can part part of anything is you have to continue to raise stakes when you do a yeah. series because you can't if you already know that your character is pushed and met to rise to this challenge, it can't be an equal challenge because you already know they've done that. It's not as fun to watch a character rise to the same place they've already been. You want to see them push past it. And mm-hmm. so that you continue to do that and you continue to introduce more characters and intro- and situations that are going to drive them even more out of their comfort zone and make you think even more of them. And like you've said throughout this whole thing so far, a superhero sense, or like you see them and you go, they're just unstoppable. And the more you do that, the more that it has to be, well, next time you got to go bigger, you got to go better. You got to continue to make it to where, what can they do next? What can you not believe that they, like, what can you sit through this movie and actually go, Oh man, there's a chance they can't do this because that's what it's got to be. It right. can't be the same stakes as last time. You're like, we know that they, we, we know they've done this. We know they can. That now it's going to be like, well, they're going to space. Like, yeah, the people are like, well, you're our only hope. And of course, I have zero clue as to why they're going to space. But in my mind, I get where people are looking at it, where it's like, for whatever reason, they are going to space. It's almost has to be because it's like we have to put these characters in a situation where by that time when I'm there, I go man, there's actually a chance that maybe they can't get through this. But then, as Dragon Ball Z shows, they scream at the camera for 30 minutes and then transform, and bam, boom, whop, they did it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, that's the... It's the the carrot on the stick for the series. Is you always gotta, you get the carrot for a little bit, you take a nibble, and you go, wow, that was cool, that was good. And then, you, then they take the stick a little further out, and you keep going and going and going. Yeah. Um, so uh, it is. It's weird because of how big I think. Uh, my my only real takeaway from this movie is that I hope the rest of them aren't this serious. And it only seems like it's not going to be because I've seen like little clips and stuff of like um, the, the Rock showing up at the Toretto family house, and I think he says something along the line of Rome having a big forehead. Better hold that <laughs> big ass forehead. Yeah. So. There's clearly more of what I think is the comedic relief that this movie didn't quite have and maybe it didn't need because it's like, hey, we have to introduce you back to these characters quick and in style and in a real dramatic fashion so that we can get this going and pick this up as a real movie franchise that's continuing a solid, a single story forward instead of what we've seen so far where it's like one and two are connected in a different weird way and without the characters you're going to see elsewhere. And then Tokyo Drift is connected through timeline but seemingly completely disconnected movie in terms of what's actually happening and then now we're gonna get you back here let's get back on the track where five movies from now we can have you believing these people are going to space so it's an interesting thing i mean is there anything about the movie you want to talk about that we haven't really covered no honestly i'm surprised we went this long as i didn't have shit to say about this movie so (laughs) i have we've covered more than i expected to talk about (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right then, man. I uh, can't wait to see what Fast Five brings us. This is going to be the first time I'm watching a new movie, and I think this might be your original drop-off point, or have you seen Fast Five? Past no, Fast my Five? original drop-off point was the the Fast and the Furious 2001. So when did you see Fast Five? <laughs> I've never seen Fast Five. Oh, I've seen you just Fast know there's Seven. a scene in it. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. well, the ride continues. Chris and I are going to watch a new movie next week. <laughs> to be fair, I could be wrong. Fast 7 could be the one with that scene, and I'm looking forward to Fast 5 for no fucking reason. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out. That's how we bring back the <laughs> Dragon Ball reference and everything. All right, week, Chris, uh, thanks for joining me uh, as usual. So I guess we got to wrap this thing up in the way we've been doing so far for the series. So first of all, 
Let's yes. rate the movie. What do you give this movie? Uh, mm, I'm going to go two and a half. I originally gave it a three and a half, but I don't want to put it a, at the same level as Too Fast, Too Furious. So I'm going to go with two and a half. Then that also means that I think I know where this movie fits into your ranking. Yeah, so, it's last. Oh, okay, interesting. I am going to agree with you on it being last in my ranking, but I'm going to give it a three. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's anything just egregiously bad about this movie that, like you said, makes you be like, oh, this isn't fun to watch. Um, but I think that there's trademark things, as I said, that I hope come back and maybe Fast Five will wow me. And maybe maybe looking back, this will still be the reason as why I understand why I originally quit watching here. Mm. I guess the, the big thing for this one is I would never, I would tell someone who was like, what Fast and the Furious movies would you recommend? I would probably say skip Hobbs and Shaw and this one. And I, I haven't even seen Hobbs and Shaw, but that's not a mainline one. So I'd say you could skip it. Yeah. But I would say, so watch someone's going to say, well, Tokyo Drift's not a mainline movie. And Tokyo Drift say, is a mainline movie. Watch, watch Tokyo Drift because it doesn't matter if it's a mainline movie. But it is a mainline but one. It it's just the, watch it after six or seven, wherever it falls. Um, <laughs> but we should just recap. So it's number one for me is Tokyo Drift, Too Fast, Too Furious, Fast and the Furious, The Fast and The Furious, and Fast and Furious. Good lord, this is so complicated. Exactly. <laughs> so the I'm gonna I'll make it easier. My my ranking is three, two, one, four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mine is still uh, mine hasn't changed at all either because that's going to be the interesting thing seeing if we change as we keep going sure. uh, mine is still one with Tokyo Drift so three being a very very close second for now then too fast and then fast and furious so mine's one three two four I'm very interested to see where five comes in and shakes things up because that's the difference for five is going to be new characters how do new characters in this dynamic that are actually like big characters that have implications for future movies. How does that shake up what we know about our characters so far? So that'll be interesting to see. Watch it over the week, guys, and join us back for the next episode on the road to fast nine. And let us know your thoughts. If you want to, one of the things we failed to do this episode that we definitely should have done. And it's a failure on both Chris and I's fault. We did not ask for a listener feedback on this one to get statements to put in here. So we are sorry guys. Um, But I've been dealing with sickness and Chris has been dealing with work and schedule issues. So we're doing what we can having a good time podcasting. We hope you enjoy it, but we hope you'll also forgive us for that and we'll do better for the next movie. So again, thank you guys so much. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can head over to matinee underscore midweek on Twitter, give that a follow and find memes and stuff, which again, we'll do a better job posting as well. Uh, and of course, if you want to follow me and sometimes Chris on the things that we do over on triangle squared, our weekly gaming podcast, if for some reason you've not heard of it, head over there. We have a Twitter for that at triangle SQRD, where you can find and discuss with me most of the time, as well as a discord where you can be part of the community input section, as well as talk about other movies and stuff and games with other listeners in our community and lastly if you want to support the show with more than just your time you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month it will guarantee you early access to episodes of this show as well as other cool perks like discord names custom cases if you're into gaming if you go to a certain level and other just cool stuff in general while supporting us directly so thank you guys so much one of the last things we're going to do here is give a shout out to all of our existing patrons 
as a big thank you for what they do to help support the show. And that is Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Baconbits, Mark Schutz, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Oops, <laughs> Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Drago, Bailey Robertson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warpoint, Richard Schaefer, and Ham and Egger. Thank you all so much. Hope you have a good one. Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm. <laughs>